conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Danny, who is returning to discuss Barry Season 1 and 2 with me. Danny, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Still adjusting to weather in Colorado. I know you used to live here, so you were like, it's great, but then, you know, you're going to be thirsty all the time kind of thing, which very true. <laughs> very true. Yeah, it is very, very dry. Uh, you get used to the nosebleeds eventually. Okay, so that is a thing here. I was like, why is there so much blood in my nose all of a sudden? It's not that I'm getting nosebleeds necessarily. It's just no, like, it's just it's just bloody blood nose. in your nose. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's that's just a thing you get used to. It's from both the altitude and the dryness. Oh, fun. Yeah, like I actually have not had a nosebleed in my adult life except but when I was a kid, I got them all the time. And now I'm like, oh, oh, maybe it was Colorado doing it to me. <laughs> Funny how that works. And, you know, having been from the state where Barry takes place, California, it was a big change. But oh, yeah, I know we both watched both seasons of Barry. I did so more recently than you did. And I actually had quite a few people telling me to watch this, you being one of them, obviously. I had another friend and my cousin were like, oh, you'll like Barry. Because for me, I'm not huge on comedies for some reason. I don't know what it is about them, but I just rarely watch any of the comedy shows. I surprisingly watched a good chunk of Big Bang Theory, but then I got tired of the same jokes over and over again. And I watched New Girl. Those are kind of the two network comedies that I watched. And that was kind of it recently, other than, you know, a few things here and there on streaming, like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix, and then now Barry on HBO. So comedies aren't necessarily always my wheelhouse. So for you, do you watch a lot of comedies? Or is it really dependent on things like the cast and what kind of comedy it is? what kind of comedy it is is okay. big time going to be the thing yeah because i uh i really like dark comedy um which uh, barry that's pitch black um yeah. comedy <laughs> so it, it fits the mold i like really really dark comedies i mean my favorite stuff is like it's always sunny in philadelphia and uh i really liked uh community which is not as dark but it's really meta uh really thinky comedy I mean, it's also really stupid sometimes, and it's about pillow forts, but <laughs> that's Dan Harmon for you. Uh, but I think it's because I really just like dark comedies, and those t tend to fall into sort of your HBO, uh, FX, Netflix realm because they have to be able to be violent or to be mm -hmm. really vulgar. Uh, and um, so, yeah, so when Barry came along and I heard about it, they're like, oh, it's a comic tragedy. I was like, comic tragedies are my favorite thing in the entire world. I'm here. And then I saw Bill Hader and I was like, now I'm double here. Awesome. <laughs> what really drew me in with it was when I finally got around to reading the description, because people were just like, oh, you have to watch Barry. And I didn't really know what it was about. I was like, okay, Bill Hader's in it. He's a pretty funny guy. So let me see what this is about. And then when I saw it was a comedy about a hitman, I was like, oh, I'm feeling this. And it definitely lived up to the expectations I had and probably even surpass them. Once I read that description, I was like, oh, this will be interesting. And yeah, just the cast as a whole, too. I was like, 
oh, okay, this guy's in it and this guy's in it. You know, these people I had seen in other shows that had a much more serious tone to them, although Anthony Kerrigan being being in Gotham, one can argue as to how serious of a tone that had at times. Yeah. Because it would get pretty wild with the whole Batman rogues gallery and everything, which he played a character who was a part of. So Anthony Kerrigan's over-the-top performance as Noho Hank in here was just so spot on and so hilarious that I think a lot of the main cast members were just so enjoyable to watch in this, even in those tragic moments. Oh, absolutely. The cast is... I mean, Here's the thing with Barry, is that there's so many things about it I want to praise because every single piece of this puzzle is perfectly made. The cast is incredible. The direction is incredible. The writing's incredible. The cinematography, the score, the soundtrack, just every little piece is expert. Um, This is the kind of stuff that people who... Uh, you know, really study filmmaking and and the art of storytelling, you're just like, oh my God, how are you nailing it on every single level? This is top tier, incredible stuff. And to to that point, the cast is, like you said, uh, NoHo Hank, I think the fact, here's the thing, Bill Hader is doing some of the best acting I've seen anybody do Mm -hmm. in anything ever in Barry. Um, This is one of the greatest performances of all time. And that's not just me being hyperbolic. That's how good he is. And still there are moments where Anthony Kerrigan's NoHo Hank totally steals the scene. And he's just so outlandish. He's NoHo Hank, for anybody who hasn't seen Barry yet, which we are probably going to spoiler some things. Yes, so all the things, just probably. <laughs> yeah, so go watch it, come back. But Noho Hank, yeah, he's this crazy, crazy guy. He's, you know, an Eastern European mafia. He's just nuts. He's He's got no sense of right and wrong. And um, there's a scene where Barry asks him if he's, you know, am I evil? And Noho Hank goes, oh, do I not tell you that enough? Like he thinks being evil is fine. That's a good thing. Why isn't he <laughs> yeah. telling him? Like he's so cartoonishly unin tune with with reality um whereas a lot of the other characters are very rooted in reality even though they're off in their own worlds like i guess that's the thing it's it's such an la show too (laughs) it so is i could certainly confirm that once you get into la it almost feels like this whole different world because i grew up in orange county so i wasn't in la all the time i would say but I went there enough to where I was like, oh, this place is kind of weird. And you either love it or hate it, it seems. It's kind of hard to feel neutral about LA just because there's so much coming at you from all different directions at once. It's really intense. And every single person there is the star of their own movie in their head, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, regardless of what they want to do, you know, in the industry or whatever, like, even if they're like, oh, I'm going to be a cinematographer, they're, they are the hero rising to the top. And I think that's accurate of everybody everywhere. But in LA, that's like respected. So people just do it wholesale to where there's just a lot of f- fakeness. And, and, and it's it's just a weird place. And I think that's really reflected in Barry by how unaware these characters are of the world, even though they're like in it. 
Um, you know, Barry is this soldier. He came back from Iraq. Um, we find out he killed a lot of people. And yeah. um, when he came back, he was just wasn't adjusting well. He had a PTSD. And so he uh, started working as a hitman for Stephen Root's character. And Barry, Bill Hader, he doesn't want to kill, but he's really, really good at it. Right. It kind of reminds me of, like, this is sort of the serious take on Gross Point Blank, like, which is one of my favorite movies from growing up. I used to just, Gross Point Blank with John Cusack was the best thing ever because it's this guy that just, he's a hitman. He goes back for his high school reunion to kill one person and all kinds of crazy stuff happens. And he's just really good at killing. Also, a history of violence, too, sort of that no matter what you try to become, you're just still a killer. Uh, mentality and that's Barry's fighting that um, because he goes to kill this guy at this acting class and he realizes he wants to be an actor which in itself is like this commentary on LA (laughs) everybody's an actor thing very much so well and the levels of meta because you have these actors in LA playing actors in LA and making fun of it at the same time and and I think that's part of what's so brilliant about it is just that it's there's there's all these different levels that the show's operating on and part of what you get from it is going to really depend on your experience with the industry and I think you know whether you study it or you've been there or whatever you you really have to kind of know what to look for with Barry exactly plus you have these actors who are sometimes maybe known for a very specific role because obviously we can't not mention Henry Winkler here, who is largely known as the Fonz, but here he's playing Gene and he's the one teaching this theater class because it's one of those things where it felt like those who can't do teach sort of thing. So it's like he didn't have enough success to still be acting. So instead he's teaching this class and whether or not he's trying to pay it forward to the next generation of actors is a different story, but he's doing it nonetheless. And he's just so good in the role because he's hard on the students, but then you get these other times where you can see he just wants to have this sort of normal life, settle down. He turns on the charm on Detective Moss and you're just like, oh my goodness, this guy cannot take a hint, but he's so persistent that eventually she wants to spend time with him. And you're just like, okay, I kind of get who this character is now. And even with Barry, you're like, we understand why he is a hitman because he's good at it. You do what you're good at. That's just how life works out sometimes. And you don't always get to follow your dreams because maybe that's not necessarily what you're good at. And we see that in season one, Barry is really bad at it. And it's, again, like you said, it's meta and it's funny because you have these actors who are trying to become actors in the show. And it was just so well done on Bill Hader's part to make it seem like he was so bad at acting while at the same time being so, so good at it. There's sequences where he's acting uh, with Sarah Goldberg's character. It, uh, it, it's, it gives me chills. Like there are sequences on this show where they're playing roles on a stage and we're just watching their performances. And it's the like, like you said, it's the layers of it. We are watching, you know, we are watching Bill Hader play 
Barry play Macbeth. We are watching, like, that's what's so interesting is being able to kind of dive through the layers of that. And the two performances, the one in when they do Macbeth and um, he's actually not even Macbeth, he's coming on just to get screamed at by Sarah Goldberg's character, whose name just went whoop out of my head. So hold on. Sally. Sally. Duh. Yeah, so when when he's, you know, basically just there to get yelled at by Sally, who's turned yeah. Macbeth into a one-woman show, which is this whole, <laughs> again, a commentary on L.A. and being, you know, uh, very, very self-centered. Um, but he, he has almost no lines. He has, I think, one line. Uh, but Hader's performance, just watching his face, just his eyes and his his subtle, subtle movements, like his nostrils flare, his lip twitches, just these little things, that he gives so much in that performance. And then um, later in season two, he does a performance with Sally where she basically relives uh, leaving her husband. And he breaks down and tries to help her, but he does it, he, he falls into the role eventually. And this is in season two later when he's actually kind of learning how to act. He's a lot better yeah. than season one, at least. For Maybe Gene sure. Cousineau <laughs> really knows what he's doing. Oh, man. Gene Cousineau. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just Ooh. so well balanced between those very serious moments in the story of Barry trying to deal with his life as a hitman and wanting to pursue his dreams because you can't just stop being a hitman, at least from everything that fictional media has told us about being a hitman. It's not something you just up and quit one day. It's not a nine to five, <laughs> like right. what a lot of the rest of us have. And because he does want to quit, that causes so many problems in his life. And it puts the people at the theater group in danger because he's being followed and you just see everything ramping up with the second season especially because season one is him sort of being wishy-washy on everything and Fuchs, Stephen Root's character, he is trying so hard just to get Barry to focus long enough to do his jobs and then he can do whatever he wants in his free time and so many things go wrong to the point where Barry ends up having to kill Detective Moss. And that's a moment that is so big in the show. You're like, oh, wow, I can't believe they actually went there because now he's not just a hitman. He's a cop killer. Oh, my God. This show, it gets so dark. It gets yes. so, so, so incredibly dark. But it's it's very classical um, in the way that I think about it. Because like I'm thinking about each of these characters and they all fit into some kind of classical mold. You know, Barry is very much a tragic hero, a la Macbeth or Hamlet or whatever, because he has his tragic flaw, his one flaw. And his his flaw is his capability for incredible violence. And, you know, then Fuchs is sort of the, the evil behind the scenes guy that's um, you know, trying to root things around. He's more, he's, he's the Lady Macbeth, actually. Um, and, and you have, you know, Sally is so tragic because Sally, she, uh, I cannot, I have to say, I love to hate Sally. Mm -hmm. Um, she's, she's well written in that she is a very, un, she's infuriating. <laughs> she's very unlikable in that she's, she's just wishy-washy, makes terrible decisions. Um, it just 
all over the place, highly emotional, very, very, very selfish. Mm -hmm. And she can be so frustrating, but it makes sense when you think of it through how she's written. And so she's really well written, despite being all of those things. It's not just sort of like, there's other female characters in shows like this, where they're sort of the main solo female character, and they they get overlooked a lot. Um, or they're hated just because they're slowing down the progress of the male character. No, Sally's her own fully formed hot mess. And yeah. I love Barry for, for doing that. Um, she's actually a worse person than Barry, other than the killing part. Like, it starts getting... it's. It starts getting really weird with morality and then the fact that Noho Hank is so likable, you know, and he's the fool. I mean, he's right. he's very <laughs> Shakespearean fool because uh, he's just such a goofball and, and the moments of levity with him are so out of left field and they're so absurd. And after all of that darkness, that absurdity is just too much. Uh, Barry makes me laugh my butt off harder than just about any show. And I mean, it's it's not always funny. It's sometimes very, very heartbreaking. And sometimes it's very uh, painful to watch sometimes almost. But it's when it's funny, yeah. it's bark out loud. I can't believe they did that funny. I think with Noho Hank, it's one of those things where he's a character who is so out of control. You never know what he's going to do next. And that's what makes his character so fun and terrifying at the same time. Because Barry is, at least at the beginning, a lot more in control of his life, of what he's doing, how he goes about his business. He always makes sure that, you know, there's nothing that could lead back to him. But as he pursues this life in theater, you can tell he's getting a little sloppier. Things are getting a little more messy in his life. And there's just so much going on that works so well together, even though a lot of these characters are seemingly polar opposites. And with Sally, I agree with you about how she's this character that you kind of love to hate. And I think the last character in a show I really felt that way about was when I was watching Bates Motel, and I just could not stand Norma Bates, even though Vera Farmiga was so, so good in the role. I was just like, you are infuriating. I want to strangle you. And can you please just leave this kid alone? Yes, Cersei Lannister. I completely feel you. <laughs> Until the last season when her the writing went... But that's for another day. <laughs> um, no, I agree with you. It's it's interesting. I, I think each character has this thing, one thing that they use to keep control. Um, with with Barry, it's this you know idea that he can be good. It's he's completely obsessed with the with the idea that he can move on, that he can leave everything bad behind him, that it was just something that happened to him, that it didn't change him, that he's not like the people around him. Um, and he slowly realizes that's not totally the case. Yeah. And he, also he has incredible PTSD. Uh, he is just he, the guilt, the amount of guilt he clearly feels for certain things. Uh, is heartbreaking. And it speaks to how, you know, we need to help people who've experienced that kind of stuff come back from war and are totally uh, shell-shocked, as they used to say. 
but he he's that's so yeah that's his thing is this idea that's his way of keeping control is that you know if he hangs on to i can be a good person and so he goes overboard trying to be a good person Mm -hmm. uh and and it makes him a doormat and it's just so interesting that this guy who could kill you in 500 different ways before you even knew what happened is more likely to get upset and turn the other way and I think with Sarah, it's it's the fame idea. It's the idea that she's just not getting roles good enough because she's a woman and because it's it's skewed against her. And while there definitely is evidence of that, you know, she certainly does have odds stacked against her being female and, and that kind of thing. She wields that like an identity and sort of this, I'm going to be incredible, but the system won't let me. And it's just interesting to me because they all have that. But Noho Hank, right. Noho Hank doesn't have any of that. Like, I no. can't tell if I can't tell if he is a complete idiot or like some kind of genius. Like if he's either Buddha chill, but, he, you know, not not actually good, but or if he is just that stupid. And it's it's brilliant. And I, I just cannot get past how. Noho Hank holds the show together because without him, like, it would be too much. It would be so heavy. It would be so unbearably grim and painful because you're just digging through the darkest parts of these tragic characters' lives. Like, I don't expect any of this to end well. I expect for, you know, if we do get this through to what uh, Berg and Hayter want to show us, you know, if we get through to the end, I don't expect there to be a happy ending. And so with that kind of heaviness and darkness, Noho Hank is just, the, he's, he's this shining light. Every time he comes on the screen, he doesn't even need to open his mouth before you know something hilarious is going to happen. Just no matter what he says or what he does, you're just like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> we have a Noho Hank scene at, you know, the perfect time. And you can tell that this show isn't just strictly a commentary on LA or Hollywood. There are things like you mentioned, the PTSD that go much deeper and are much more serious than Hollywood. Let's be honest here. Hollywood is sort of its own little world that doesn't seem to play by anyone else's rules (laughs) in the world. And you're just like, how is Hollywood so, so weird, you know? And they just do their thing. But in this, you have a character in Barry who is in the real world so much so to where he is trying to make this new life for himself. And he goes to literally one of the hardest places possible to do that. Because like you said earlier, everyone in LA is the star of their own movie. Yeah, it's and it's interesting thinking about it because the... um. I think the reason that these characters are allowed to be as self-centered as they are is because of the Hollywood aspect, because they're actors, so they have to tailor to their craft, and like everything is about them. It has to be. And in, you know, for Barry, like that is a chance to be somebody else. And for Sally, it's a chance to not be the victim. And it's really complicated, painful stuff. Uh, but it's encouraged to be worn on your sleeve and it's, you know, then you get sort of into the method acting and to the reliving your own pain. And there's a whole part um, in season two where 
Barry tells the story of killing his first person. And then Sally mm-hmm. talks about leaving her abusive husband. And we get to see these painful moments. But even then, some of these painful, horrible moments are things that you're like, wait, 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 wait. That's your trauma? Your trauma is that you ate your twin in the womb, which you have no real memory of. But you're going to cling to that because it makes you different. And... It's so weird seeing sort of the varying levels of what people have been through and how in this, they're all held to the same standard. Like Barry's first kill and Sally leaving an abusive man and all that is held at the same level as these things that are like sort of just for attention. Yeah. And so it's it's a really different paradigm than what we're used to. It's very different than, than the rest of the world where it's much more judgmental outwardly facing in this they just judge each other behind their backs and it could only exist in la yeah (laughs) it's such an la hitman story it's like a shane black movie but even darker like this is kiss kiss bang bang on steroids and a lot of alcohol uh the what's cool though is that despite all that and despite all the badness and despite all the the weird wacky humor with with noho hank there's also a lot of really brilliant visual humor in in Barry. Right. Um, and it does rely on absurdist stuff. Like, a, most of the humor in this show is based in absurdism. Um, so if that's not your bag, it's not going to work for you. Uh, but there's a there's a sequence where, you know, this, this couple that's in a shop that got broken into is having this long conversation. And then they walk out of the room. And then slowly, slightly after that, Barry creeps out from underneath one of the uh, quinceanera dresses and leaves. And he just heard this whole conversation. And so just these little things like that, they're really, really funny because the way that this show works with tension and with storytelling through audiovisual without dialogue is really incredible. Uh, I think the best episode of the series so far um, was Bill Hader's debut directing episode on the show, Ronnie Lilly. Okay. Or maybe it may not be his debut, but it's his best. It's his best one. It's incredible. Ronnie Lilly, directed by Bill Hader. It's episode five of season two. Um, and Barry goes to basically try to negotiate a peace deal with somebody he's supposed to kill because he doesn't want to kill anymore, but he's locked into this, this last, you know, last job because of killing the police officer and people finding out and shutting them up and no ho hang. It's all, you know, a twisted web of criminal stuff because that's just, I don't know, I guess being a criminal is very complicated, but he, and especially when you kill people, but he goes to find this guy. He's like, I don't want to kill you. Is there something we can do? Can you get out of town? Whatever. It all goes haywire. Come to find out this guy is a Taekwondo master and he trained his young daughter to be a martial arts expert. (laughs) There are some of the funniest things with this little girl trying to kill Barry. Yeah. Like there's a sequence where she, where he and Fuchs thought they got away and that she's on the roof of the car I laughed so hard I didn't know what to do with myself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ronnie Lilly is – it's a delight from start to finish. The whole episode is a blast. It's a ride. Um, there's some moments that are, you know, again, very, very dark because this is still Barry. Right. Uh, but that just that whole episode was just like, I can't believe this is happening on my television right now. Oh, my God. 
uh, and and I respect it. And the fact that Hater directed it just makes me extra happy. <laughs> it was so out there, you couldn't help but laugh because you were like, no one in their right mind would raise their child to act like this sort of wild jungle cat or something but it's totally possible like that's the thing is it is. I, I, I worked as a local reporter for a while and some of the stuff you learn about like what goes down out in the world the things that don't quite make the news because they're just not quite interesting enough but they're weird it's out there <laughs> Oh my goodness. And especially in places where weird tends to, uh, you know, sort of go together like LA or Fair. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, that's, it's totally plausible. Like it's, it's, it's not, it seems like the most absurd out there, horrible thing that could never happen. But then you think about it for a second, you're like, wait, nope, that actually could, yeah, I could see that headline. Okay. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you would hope most people would not raise their children like that, though, which just makes it 10 times funnier because you're like, this is so over the top. This is like a one in a billion situation that he got himself into here. And the likelihood right. of this happening to your average person is slim to none. So you're just like, oh, yeah. oh my goodness, Barry. What are you thinking? Yeah. You're going to talk someone out of you murdering them? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, but, like, the whole everything is so outlandish. It's like, okay, well, yeah, this might happen to a hitman in L.A. I don't know. I mean, it's wacky. It's weird. Who knows? Um, but at the same time, yeah, no, it's nuts. It's totally nuts. It's totally beyond the kind of stuff we usually see on TV comedies. Um, it reminds me tonally somewhere in the same realm. It's like, it's actually much darker, much more tragic, but like righteous gemstones and a lot of the Jody Hill stuff, like, uh, vice principles was really, really dark too. And, and it's that sort of like, these are bad people trying to be good people and their story is horribly tragic, but we're going to make you laugh really, really hard along the way. Yeah. I want to backtrack a little bit because there's one person we haven't really talked about at all, and that's Darcy Carden's Natalie. You know, she is so fantastic in The Good Place, and they kind of just slide her in in Barry, and she just amplifies some of these scenes that we already enjoy so much, and you're like, yeah, you know, even though she's not super prominent as part of the story, she's one of the theater group members, kind of Jean's assistant almost, and you can tell she wants the same thing that Barry and Sally want. She's just not as intense as Sally or as weird about it as Barry. So I don't want to say they throw her to the side because I think they do use her really well when they do have her in scenes. You know, she's one of those people where she comes on screen and you're like, oh, yes, thank you. And she's not quite as over the top as Noho Hank because no one is, but Whenever she's on screen, too, you know you're going to get something good. Oh, yeah. Uh, Darcy Cart. I think she's the one that actually ate her twin in the womb. If I remember correctly, <laughs> that's that's who that happens to. And that sounds accurate. Um, her character is very strange because she's like super melodramatic and into, you know, the acting world and is really intense about it. But then she's also actually kind of a normal person on the outside. Like she's not... Yeah. Um, completely 100% invested in this with everything she has like Barry and Sally were like this is their whole life she actually might have a life outside of this 
um, a book club or something. And <laughs> she's just, she's weird and she's wacky and she's a lot of fun. And yeah, she is really another spot of levity on this, uh, on this show. And, and there's other little, like I said, there's other little spots of levity that come from the absurdist nature of it and from um, characters who are not as self-centered as the leads realizing like, what is wrong with y'all? But it, it's, it's a lot. Barry is an emotional ride and I recommend it to a lot of people, but I always recommend it with like, just be aware you're going to feel things and you're not going to like some of them. Which is totally fine because I think if you liked every single thing about something, one that's very rare with Barry, it's not that I really had anything that I disliked, but there were some moments where you're like, oh, wow, they really went all in on that. And you're like, maybe maybe I could have done with it being dialed back a little bit here. And it's just a show where everything works so well together that you're willing to maybe overlook some of these things that aren't necessarily perfect. And you just really get to dive into all of the different things this show is trying to comment on. And I think because it's trying to comment on so many different things, there's sort of this fine line between, you know, Barry's PTSD, for instance, and how outlandish NoHo Hank is. And you have to find that balance to make a show with these actors and characters as good as it is. Oh, absolutely. Like if NoHo Hank was portrayed incorrectly, like if it was the exact same lines as written, that kind of thing, but like little tiny tonal changes both in how mm -hmm. the lines are delivered and how it's shot those kinds of things could totally ruin this it would feel like it was just like oh my god this is so glib what are you doing i just you know found out that that my this character that i thought was growing just killed an innocent woman to protect himself oh my god like you you really have to understand the balance and i think they find a lot of humor in that balance and that's part of what makes it work and i think the fact that, you know, a lot of the people that work on this show are either very good dramatic actors or incredible comedians or both helps. Um, you know, Winkler definitely is more along the comedy lines. He's done some drama. But then you've got like Bill Hader, who people are like, oh, you know, Bill Hader, he's on SNL. I'm like, uh, have you all seen the Skeleton Twins? <laughs> Come at me. Like, you want to see a movie that'll make you cry because he's so good in it? Um, and the, the performances lock it in. And, and again, along with uh, cinematography and, and the score and the soundtrack, because, you know, the music's perfect, the score's really good and plays to that same absurdity. It kind of lets you know it's okay to laugh. Like, there's little moments where the, the music cues and things like that, it kind of pokes at you. Uh -huh. Like, it's okay, you, you, you can laugh at this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's okay now. Um, and and I just think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant tragicomedy and that it really, really does have a lot to say, but that it doesn't force feed it to you. Right. And it has a high rewatch value. I've watched it three times all the way through now. Wow. <laughs> That's dedication. <laughs> well, the first, the first time I was just in shock. Yeah, I'm glad you have, though, because like I mentioned, I only watched it once and I got through it pretty quickly. And sometimes binge watching stuff isn't the best for me remembering like what happened in what season or what episode. So right. I am glad that you watched it that many times. And, you know, 
we don't know much about a third season, but is there anything else you want to talk about with these first two seasons before we maybe dive into some predictions or hopes for season three? Because the way season two ended, they just left so much up in the air. You're like, oh, he crossed that line. And there's just so many thoughts running through your head with that finale. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's go ahead into season three, because... I'm going to just start repeating myself and going, this is the best show ever. Because <laughs> uh, it's just, it is incredible. I mean, I wouldn't watch it three times if it was not incredible. Uh, I mean, at least it is uh, digestible. These are not super crazy yes. long episodes. Uh, they're half hour a pop, which is nice. And it's the kind of show that it doesn't ever drag. The pacing's really, really good. So it's easy to binge uh, until you get to the really heavy stuff. And then you're like, no, I need a break. Um and it's uh, it's not super long. I think both yeah. seasons combined is like a 14-hour commitment, tops. <laughs> Roughly, so. yeah. It's like 16 episodes between the two seasons so far, so eight episodes apiece, which is really short for a comedy, I yeah, think. So. And, you know. So eight hours, which is nothing. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to binge land, eight hours is nothing. Yeah. Yeah, so even less of a commitment than you might think going into it. And you're just like, oh, wait, I watched this in a day. I watched this in two days. That's it. We're done. Yeah, it's it's a quick it's a quick watch, uh, which is part of why I've done it that many times. It's good, though. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, season two ended with basically everybody betraying everybody. Correct. <laughs> uh, every, every single character going, nope, I'm in it for myself. Uh, screw you. Um, Fuchs actually is like a good person for two seconds, which is kind of nice because his character sort of just been the worst. Uh, totally. Like, yeah. Fuchs, are, Fuchs reminds me of Danny McBride's character in Pineapple Express, Red. Uh, he just constantly <laughs> sells out his friends to try and save his own skin. And, and then as soon as they come back, he's like, no, no, I would never do that, you guys. And that's that's Fuchs. Fuchs just does not care about anybody or anything but himself. And so seeing him actually uh, refuse to, to hurt basically an innocent person is uh, kind of a big step. And I actually care about his character a little bit more. Um, but then yeah, Barry, not so much. Uh, Barry hates Fuchs and Jean's student. It's all it's all up in the air. It's all crazy as of the end of season two. Um, right. But but the biggest thing is that Jean Cousineau, who was dating Detective Moss, now knows that Barry killed Detective Moss. And he uh, he's kind of friends with Barry. And things just get real complicated because of that. And I'm curious to see where it goes. I think I think that a lot more blood is going to be spilled. I think yes. some main characters are going to die. Uh, I cannot see... I don't see really hardly anybody surviving this. Maybe Sarah... Or not Sarah, Sally. Sorry. Sally. Actress's name is Sarah. That's <laughs> why my brain goes there. It's confusing. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Sally. Sally is probably going to be the only one that makes it out of this. Maybe Jean. Um, yeah. I think I think everybody else is so complicit and evil that according to this show's weird twisted morality, they all have to die. And I think I think the show's going to end with Barry dying. I don't know why, but I feel like the it's going to be very uh, spoilers, Breaking Bad ending and it's ending with his death. Um, I think that's fits the tragic nature of of it all. 
Uh, I think he's going to redeem himself in some way before he dies, but... I kind of want this to not have a happy ending, too. Yeah, I think if it had a really happy ending, it would really be different from what it feels like the show's trying to teach us. It feels like there's so much yeah. lesson here. There's so much that we are are being taught and being... not. I mean, not even necessarily taught, but being asked to think about which is different from a lot of things. You know, we're really being asked to explore difficult topics ranging from spousal abuse to uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and how soldiers reintegrate into society to selfishness to uh, just, just all of it. I mean, there's an incredible amount of studying human psyche going on in this show. And I think if they, they gave it just a, a happy, normal ending, it would be like we'd feel cheated. Uh, yeah. I, I could see a bittersweet ending. Um, I could see something where, you know, like, you know, Barry dies, but he does it saving Sally or helping her figure out, you know, her true calling or whatever. Like, I, I could see some sort of bittersweet ending. Um, and I can see like a truly tragic ending, which is kind of where I feel like it's going. But mm -hmm. a happy ending just doesn't work with this show with how terrible yeah. these characters are, because as much as we care about a lot of them, um, as much as they break some of our hearts, they've done horrible, horrible things. Like most of these people, most of these characters are terrible people. Uh, are right. you know if this this was good place arguments like they would want not want them in the experiment for the good place because they're just it, it's I guess it's also a tale about redemption and if people can be redeemed and I guess if everybody got redemption if every character ended up being okay it would feel pandering that's the best word for it is pandering you would also feel a little cheated by that kind of ending because. Not necessarily right away, but you know pretty close to the start that Barry is a hitman. And it's like, okay, now you have to find ways to try to redeem this character. And you have to figure out if you even can redeem a hitman. You know, it's like, okay, he served. And that is something that a lot of people find is good. You know, people who serve get thanked for their service on a regular basis and... It's one of those things where it's seen as an honor, but then being a hitman, it's like, okay, he's kind of technically doing the same thing. He's just getting paid a lot better for it, which is almost how this show explains it to you to begin with. So to have Barry have this happy ending, it just wouldn't feel right because of everything he's been through. There's nothing to indicate that that is going to happen in his life, whereas Sally, at least has been trying no matter how annoying and infuriating it is she's just trying to make something good happen for her and she keeps hitting these roadblocks so i agree with you maybe barry dying and saving sally is one of those bittersweet endings and in season three i could also see him just taking out gene to cover up his secret and he just has to keep trying to cover things up and clean up this mess he's made and in the end it's just too overwhelming and too much and he can't do it yeah i could totally see it where he just has to keep basically it turns into barry knocks people off one by one like yeah. as people discover it and he finally gets to like oh it's sarah or me like i think that's a very plausible place for this to go where she finds out and it kind of comes down to okay i can kill sarah or i can just admit it and go to prison 
You know, that might be where this ends up. I don't know, but it it would make sense. Uh, I I don't know what we're going to get in yeah. season three. Uh, and the thing is, you know, at the end of season one, I had no clue what we were going to get in season two. Right. Uh, that ended equally explosively with him killing Moss. And then the season starts and they don't even tell you he actually killed her for like three episodes. Uh, so it's, yeah, I, I kind of like the mystery. I kind of like that we're basically just sort of going, I don't know, it could be real tragic. Uh, because, you know, when, when there's all this stuff that you can sort of figure out and put it together, it doesn't, it's not as fun. I like the mystery of Barry. I like the fact that it is that freaking wacky that things can just come out of left field and you accept them. And, uh, all I know is I'm excited for it. I hope, my only hope, I hope they end it when it's time to end it. I hope they have a planned arc, um, and that it doesn't just keep going and going because this is a lot of emotional turmoil to sit through for something that doesn't have a planned end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've been really smart about it so far. So I, I have nothing but high hopes for, for what comes next. I think it's going to be a lot like The Good Place, where once they have an ending in mind, they're just going to be like, okay, you know, we're wrapping this. Yeah. Yes, we could continue it, but we don't want to continue it beyond the story that we think is right for the show. And, you know, having Gene find out and having him be led to the car and you know all of this stuff it just hit you so hard you were like oh no what did barry get himself into and you kind of feel bad for barry because barry's the character we're supposed to like still even though he's a hitman and the fact that they sort of turn the tables on him in season two and you're like oh you know what maybe there is no chance of him being redeemed because this is a level that you don't stoop to, really. And I think even a lot of people know that, you know, going around and killing cops is not good for business. So it'll be interesting because they left it so open-ended and so unpredictable as, like you said, the rest of the show has been so far. I'm just so happy I finally sat down and watched this. Me too. It's so good. It's so incredible. It's, uh, you know, a lot of people love like Breaking Bad is the one I think of most when I think of sort of these downward spiral uh, trajectories of people that, you know, were good people, but had something terrible happen. And so they were forced to express, you know, their more dark desires. And yeah, I, I absolutely love Barry. And so for anybody out there who likes like Breaking Bad or Sons of Anarchy or any of those sort of anti-hero stories, this is the anti-hero story for all anti-hero stories. And yeah. it's brilliantly directed, brilliantly shot, brilliantly written, um, and especially brilliantly acted, which is important since it's a show about actors. So right. uh I mean, this is one of the best shows ever made. I will say that, and I will stand by it. They might totally bones it in season three and prove me wrong, but don't do it, hater. (laughs) Well, you have dibs on a season three discussion. I know we lumped the first two together here just because I hadn't seen it. So I just went ahead, watched it, and then I was like, okay, I'm good. We can do the podcast whenever you want. And I hope we get a very good ending with this, whether that's season three or season four, whenever it may be. But Danny, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on and for watching Barry because I bugged you about it. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't the only one. So don't worry. I sometimes have to be bugged to get things done. And before we go, I quickly want to let you all know that you can support the podcast on Patreon. If you don't 
want to or aren't able to monetarily support the podcast, that is also fine. You can follow us at Geekdom Pod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. You could also leave the show a rating and review if you would like. And as always, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.